Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, Avenue Church. Man, we are excited you guys are here today, and I just want to echo my wife. It is an honor uh, to pastor alongside with her and to pastor this amazing church. I think we got a great church, and so man, we're so glad you guys are here. We're pumped. We're in, uh, you know, min- middle of a series called Mixtape, and I just got to echo, though, I am just so proud of all the groups that we have on, just a variety of our groups, as well as where they're at. They are all over the Las Vegas Valley, east side, uh, in the middle of this town, in Henderson, all over the southwest part of town, and so I'm just honored that people are willing to do life, and as we continue to do life, we're finding healing, we're finding hope, and uh, simply just having fun. And so even my group, on Wednesday at the men's... Uh, we just had a bunch of dudes get together, and we got to Jason's Deli at 1130 on Wednesdays, and we are slowly changing the world one meal at a time. We are going to invent something, or something's going to happen, and so we just got a great guys that are meeting together, so make sure you go on avenuechurch.cc forward slash groups and check all that out. Uh, a little disclaimer, I hope you're enjoying Mixtape. Uh, we are week four now in our series, and a little disclaimer today, if you got kids in here, we're, uh, they're always welcome at Avenue Church, uh, but during the series, we are talking about love, sex, and marriage, and even uh, a parent took home a cassette, a mixtape, you know, just it's our postcard, and the, uh, her son was like, oh, the S word's on there, mom. What, what's, what are you doing? What kind of church are you attending? And uh, just seeing that word on there, we, have, we do, though. We have an amazing Avenue Kids experience, four different programs for them, two- and three-year-olds, nursery, preschool, and kindergarten, and first through fifth. And there's some exciting changes coming over there as well. So make sure you can feel free to bring them there during this time. But today's message, we're going to uh, have a healthy conversation uh, about sex. We're going to have a healthy conversation, whether you have teenagers, students, kids in your home, uh, even yourself, we're going to have a great time today. So turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> turn to your other neighbor and say, don't get awkward on me, all right? <laughs> so turn on some little bit of house lights because we got a great looking church. And uh, the title of my message, get your phones out, get your cellular, cellular devices out, your iPhone, Android, paper, pen. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible, but get those notes out. Someone uses Facebook every week. Multiple people are using Facebook now. They're checking in on Avenue, and then boom, there's all the notes. And so I got to preach good, all right, because it's out there now. And so make sure you check that out on Facebook. The title of my message today is The Problem with Pineapples. The Problem with pineapples. Who likes pineapples? Anyone love pineapples? We'll get to that later. Uh, but next tape is our series, and it's an 80s series. And man, we're just loving uh, the pictures you're sending us. Keep sending us any photos. Doesn't have to be the 80s, whether it's early 90s, 90s. For some of you, like 2000s, come on. And uh, let me see those photos. We would love to share that with you. But mixtape, the reason why we're calling this relationship series mixtape, because I don't know if you ever, ever made a mixtape, in the 80s or 90s, you pop in that cassette and you hit what? Play in. You got to hit two buttons at the same time and wait for your song to come on. I was just uh, telling someone about our series this week and they were like, yes, you know, and then the DJ's voice is on there. You know, you're like, this is my jam. And he's like, isn't it a good song? You're like, DJ, get off my song. And so the reason why we're calling it mixtape, because it was a lot of work to make a mixtape for someone, and that's the way relationships are. Relationships are a lot of work. Marriage can be a lot of work. Dating can be a lot of work. So welcome to week four of mixtape series. Uh, I don't know if you remember how communication was back in the 80s, but pop up this first picture. How many have one of these? 
Raise your hand. Be proud. You had a pager. You had a pager, right? We had a pager. Uh, even my dad, uh, it wasn't because I'm old, because I think he was cheap, but he gave me a pager and, uh, for work. And so I remember I was at Taco, Taco Bell. I was about to place my order, and he called the pager. And this was a high-tech pager, all right? This wasn't just beep, beep, and you look at the number, find a pay phone and call that number. This was a voice-activated one. And so when he called me, it would leave a message, a voice message on there. How many know what I'm talking about? And then he, you would hear it out loud. And so I'm ordering, and I'm like, hey, yes, I'll have a number two. I used to order my phone number back then. I'll have a two and a three and a four. You know? And I, so the pager went up, and he went, Jeremy, get back to the warehouse right now. And I'm like, shh, be quiet, you know? So that was the pager tech. And then how many remember this? How many had this phone? Raise your hand if you had this phone. There they are, huh? You just calm down. I've never seen y'all get excited in the message except for this dumb phone, right? But look at that phone. That phone was like legit. Like you had an amazing, amazing phone. And then how many remember our boy, Zach Morris? What was his phone like? Come on. The brick. The brick. You could even now buy a brick phone and put your SIM card in it or use the, the brick phone and Bluetooth to your real phone so you can walk around like Zach Morris or A.C. Slater. Look at A.C. Slater. It's like, this is cool. And Zach's like, no, it's not. So those are our 80s communication. And it, but it's been amazing. It's been amazing to see how technology has progressed. And now we have smartphones and Android. Well, Android's getting there. We love you guys, you know. But the iPhone's just progressing. Samsung, all those things are just blowing up. And we live in a day and age where almost every single person uses their cell phone and has a social media account. Raise your hand if you have a social media account. Raise your hand if you have a social media account. Be proud, all right? Raise your hand if you have one. If you don't have one, oh, man, I got to talk to you after service. We will sign you up, and you'll just, just check in on Facebook, and that is it, all right? But no, uh, most people have social media accounts. Everyone has a cell phone. It's, we live in a day and age where a lot of swiping is happening. How many know nowadays you can look at somebody and go, they're either playing a game, they're taking notes, and I'm going to give you a help box. I can see everybody out there, right? They're either playing a game, they're taking notes, or they're Facebooking. What's Facebooking look like? That thumb is working, man. That thumb is swiping up, and then you swipe down. What was that? Keep going, you're swiping. Everyone is swiping. How many ever shared a photo with someone? You're like, Mom, look at this photo. And then you're like, please don't swipe left or swipe right. Just look at this one photo. A lot of swiping going on in our mobile devices. And I say that because on average, we touch our phones 150 times a day. On average, we touch our phones 150 times a day. If we break that down, that is once every six minutes. Once every six minutes. Now, I know I'm not preaching for six minutes today. So if you do reach for your phone, make sure you follow Jeremy uh, at Instagram or Facebook, at Jeremy Bosmer or Avenue LV Church. But once every six minutes, we are on our phones. Many of us, we have what's called a phantom vibration syndrome. How many know what that is? You don't even need me to explain it. Phantom vibration uh, syndrome. What is that? That's where you're, you, you know your phone is buzzing. You know you have a notification or something's going on, and you're like, I don't even have my phone on me. <laughs> what is wrong with me, right? Or you pull your phone out, because you know, we can't depart from that. I used to tell a story in Growth Track of losing my son, right? And I lost him in a Kmart, and I was so terrified of losing him. And I had some young adults looking at me like, and I was like, same thing as losing your phone. Same thing. <laughs> Just as terrifying. And so 
you think your phone vibrates, you pop it out, there's no notifications, there's no tweets, there's no Facebook likes, there's nothing. And you're like, that is so strange. How many pulled your phone out thinking it rang and then it rang? Right? Oh, that's voodoo right there, huh? That's messed up. But why do I say that? Because technology is getting better, but our attention spans are not improving. Technology is amazing. It's at our fingertips, but communication is not improving. Technology is incredible, but our relationship seems to not be getting better. But there is a reality of the internet that 36% of the internet is pornography. There's a reality in the internet that one out of four Google searches are sexual in nature. That we have dating and relationship uh, websites where you can find someone, but now that culture is even now changing instead of finding the one to finding one to be with for the evening. That there's a, such a cultural shift because of the access that we have. Is it getting warm in here or is it just me? No. But we have to talk about these issues here at Avenue Church. There's even an app where you can look up uh, different profiles and you could swipe left if you're not interested, or you could swipe right. And, you, and if you swipe right, you could be with that person for the evening without any consequences or interactions of having a relationship. That reminds me of Moses in Exodus chapter 2, verse 12. Moses was confronted. He was angry. Someone called him out. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 12. Moses looked this way, and he looked that way. Seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He looked that way, and he looked that way. Nobody was there, so he killed the Egyptian, and he hit him in the sand. The problem is, in every interaction that we have, when we say, you know what, I, I want to do something that makes me feel good. I want to do something that I, that I desire to do, what my emotions are telling me. Here's what Moses really did. He, he looked to the culture. He looked to the media, and he said, no one is looking. Now I'm going to do what I feel like doing. Now I'm going to do what I feel like doing. His actions satisfy his emotions. And so if you're first time, welcome to Avenue, right? Hey, wow, right? <laughs> this is your first time, though. We've been talking for four weeks about, you know what, we all start here, and it gets all messed up. Why? Because we want to be happy. But here's the thing is we got to start at the spiritual stage. And you know what it is? The spiritual and the emotional constantly fight with each other. You go, I don't feel like serving God today. You know what I feel like? I feel like doing something that feels better. So instead of looking to the right or to the left, we need to look up to our Savior for all the answers. And everybody said, amen, right? Got to throw that in there. But I got to tell you, how can we reach a world that we've abandoned? I got to tell you this, please do not throw away your phones, unless it's a Samsung, we'll, we'll upgrade you somehow, but don't throw away your phones, don't like, I'm going to discontinue social media, I'm going to stop doing all that, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm asking us is, how can we reach a world that we've abandoned, that there are some conversations I believe that need to take place. Her conversations, I believe, that need to take place. And you might be like, this is intense, man. You said, like, uh, pornography already? You said sex already? And you said pineapples. Like, what kind of church am I in? <laughs> this is getting intense. But I got to tell you, the Bible has the answers to the things that are devastating our lives. The Bible has the answer to the things that are devastating our lives. And at Avenue Church, we're going to talk about real issues. I understand that a lot of leaders are answering questions that no one's asking. 
That pastor, my, my marriage is on the rocks. What do I do? Well, let's, let's pause on that. We're going to talk about where the Antichrist comes from. You're like, what are you talking about? We want to talk about real answers here at Avenue Church. So here's what I want you to know. Number one, I want you to know that God wants you to have great sex. Thank you, babe. So I'm going to try that again, because here's the issue. We believe, we believe that sex is a bad thing. So let me, let me start over, because we believe that God didn't invent sex. I'm here to tell you, God invented it, the devil didn't. So the devil really has a copyright infringement on sex. So... So he's got, he owns God a lot of interest, right? So let me say that again. Let me rewind and say, God wants you to have great sex. Okay, I think I heard like one lady and all the guys like, amen, yeah. Yes. Praise him. <laughs> no, now you're talking, huh? I want you to understand that God invented it. He created it. What God created, the enemy's trying to distort it. And I even got to share that sometimes, even as Christians, if you're a churchgoer and you've been a churchgoer your entire life, that like we avoid sex so much and we're like, oh, geez, I'm starting here at the spiritual stage, that when we finally do fall in love and find someone and we're finding happiness and we're finding that physical pleasure, we're still thinking, you know what, do I need to still avoid it? That sex is a good thing, that God created it, the devil distorted it. Here in the book of Genesis, we see this is where it is. Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and then there was light. And then in Genesis chapter 2, God created man. And then he gave man the power uh, to name every single animal. There is a power in the tongue even in Genesis chapter 2 where he was said, you know what, Adam, you can begin to name all the creatures and have dominion over that. Why? Because there's power in our tongue. And I got to pause right there to tell you, begin to speak life into your marriage. Begin to speak life into your relationship. Oh, I'm going to be single forever. If that's what you want, then praise God. But if you're looking for somebody, I'm going to be single forever. Or, man, my deadbeat husband, if he would just. And I want to encourage you, change the power of your tongue to say, he's a man of God. She is on her way. He is coming in Jesus' name. So speak good over your relationship. But thankfully, in Genesis chapter 2, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And all the men said... Hey man, it is not good for man to be alone. Probably because he wasn't, he wasn't doing everything right. He was like, zebra. And you're like, no, we're not going to name it that, right? So God created Eve out of the rib of Adam. And when Adam woke up, he saw Eve and said, whoa, man. And so that's how she was named, woman. Whoa, man. <laughs> Guys got to follow along with me here. Take notes, right? Adam wrote a poem. You can read that in Genesis chapter 2. And God created Adam and Eve so that they would be fruitful and multiply. That they would be fruitful and multiply. I have some brothers in my life. They got like five or six kids. By the fifth kid, he was like, we're pregnant again. I was like, bro, get cable, all right? <laughs> Calm down. I know it's the first commandment, but chill. But let me, I want to write this down though. The problem isn't sex or having a sex drive. The problem is we love the sex drive. The problem isn't having a sex drive. The problem is when we love the sex drive, when we give in to every impulse. 
See, culture says we need to do whatever we feel. Do what feels good. The more that you begin to do what feels good, it begins to dilute your romance. And so when God created Eve and Adam and Eve, it says this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. We've got it on the screens. This is why man leaves his father and mother. And that's probably a powerful scripture for you, all right? If you're over 18, you're going to leave your mom and your dad awkward pause, and you're going to be joined with a, uh, you're going to, I got to read this, and you're going to be united with his wife, and they will become what? They'll become one. They'll become one flesh. You see, sex isn't just pleasurable, but it's also powerful. There is power in this. If you take out the confinement of marriage and say, you know what, I'm going to do it before I'm married. I'm just going to do it because it feels good, or I have access to that. I'm here to tell you, your pastors, it can hurt you. It can hurt you. That if you take what God told you not to touch, you remove what he wants to give you. You remove the blessing. And so there's a pineapple. So Rebecca, can you throw that up here real quick? There is a problem with pineapples. Chuck it up here. All right. Thank you, Rebecca. For It is pretty uh, prickly and all that. But there is a problem with pineapples. And uh, the reason why I have this up here is because pineapples were discovered when Christopher Columbus came over in 14... 92, he came over, and in 1493, this came from the Caribbean, and they were imported. So Christopher Columbus saw this and said, this is amazing. This is incredible. He cut it open, he ate it, said, this is delicious. He called it, it's an apple from a pine. And so he took it back over to Europe. And I mean, when he got off that boat, they were, they were like, how's land? He was like, pineapple. And they're like, amazing. This is incredible. And so he took it over to uh, Europe. And they'd never seen this before. They called it a golden apple or a pineapple. And they went crazy over this. Behind me is a picture of a building. They thought this was a, a, a picture of wealth. If you had pineapple, right, this was like the latest phase. This is like the latest thing. Man, you got to get one of these. At the height of its, of, its, of its life or whatever, pineapple was worth $8,000. 8000 I got this for two bucks last night, all right? $8,000. <laughs> dollars. You can rent pineapple. You would rent it and bring it to a party. And what you would do when that party finally came, you would be like, hey, everyone, I rented a pineapple. And people are like, oh my goodness, right? Take a selfie with the pineapple, you know? <laughs> this is amazing. They even use it on buildings. And so if you look in Europe, all over London, all over Europe, they have sculptures of pineapple. That is actually a pineapple. Why? It was something that no one had. It was something that no one had. Then after a hundred years, the demand increased, the supply went up, and the demand went down. Pineapple factories popped up, dole began, all these different things. And so something that was so exquisite has now changed into something what I call pineapple chunks. So you can now go to a store and you can buy pineapple chunks. And I say that, why? Because it went from a masterpiece into chunks. It went from a masterpiece into chunks. This is not something to display. This is not something you pop at a party and go, hey, everyone, chunks! I have chunks! And people are like, okay, man. But why do I tell you that? Because something that is widely available to everyone is oddly desired by nobody. I got to say that one more time. Something that is widely available to everyone is oddly desired by nobody. By nobody. 
So is sex. Sex is supposed to be special if it's just one person. But something that becomes available becomes oddly desired by nobody. So if you're taking notes, i got three lies today that I want to uh, tell you about. Three lies about sex. And i got to tell you, this is a healthy conversation that you can have with your kids. This is a healthy conversation when that time comes to say, you know what? Pastor at Avenue Church talk about three lies. So here's lie number one. This number one is sex is just a physical activity. Sex is just a physical activity. You see, oftentimes we're taught through school and through different things that sex is just biological. It is okay as long as you don't procreate. It's okay if it's safe. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that sex involves us at the deepest level. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 20. I got to use the message version today because I love the way it breaks it down. There is more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much as a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. It is written in Scripture, two will become one. You see, the danger of sexuality is not just your body, but the danger is two becoming one. Two becoming one. The physical activity involves your heart, your soul, and your mind. It involves a lot more than just your body. It is doing something to you on the inside. That instant gratification brings lack of relationship. Instant gratification brings lack of relationship. That we have the most access due to technology, the most access due to kind of the way culture is, and we are yet as lonely as ever. We are as lonely as ever. First Corinthians chapter 16 continues on to say, since we become so spiritually one with the master, since we've become spiritually one with Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you're like, oh my goodness, I am breaking every rule in the book. I'm here to tell you that's okay. Let's start here now. All right? You're not getting kicked out. You don't have to leave. You don't have to like, oh, that's me, pastor. No. What we're going to say is let's go back to that spiritual stage. And this is what the Bible says. Since now you're spiritually one with Jesus, you must not pursue the kind of sex. You must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. How many know the Bible is relevant even to today? Is so, it's just amazing to me. Now, you must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. It is the kind of sex that can never, I love the message version, that can never become one. Never become one. This is what I want for my life. Yeah, but it can never become one. I have a, if I have a uh, piece of tape, I didn't bring it up here with me today, but if I took a piece of tape and I tore it off and I called my brother up, Kenny, and if I called him up here, I would put, I don't have, you know, I have tape, and so I, if I would put on his forehead, Kenny and I just became one. And then I rip it off and say, that's not working out. And I would go to somebody else and put it on their forehead and say, okay, this is great. This feels good. And then what? Okay, this isn't working out. I take that off. What's going to happen? The more and more people I place that tape on, the more and more the bond begins lessen. The more and more the glue begins to be ripped away. Two become one. So that's number one. Number one is sex is just physical. But number two, I can do what I want and have what God wants. I can do what I want and I can still have what God wants. There's another lie that I placed under this, but I don't know if you ever heard the lie you know what? I got it all out of my system. I got it all out of my system. 
But the reality is, it's not, you know what, I got to go have fun, and I got to experience all that. It's not getting it out of your system, it's placing it into your system. We're placing it into our system. That our past tends to show up in our future. I got to tell you, that is why we have steps at Avenue Church. That is why we're so big on it. It's not just words on a paper, but it's saying, you know what, number step one is to know God. That when you come to this church, we want you to feel the presence of God. We want you to know God in our worship experience, in the message, in the lobby, in the hallway, in the parking lot. That you know what, people love Jesus and we love you. But step number two is finding freedom. Finding freedom. That we want you to settle your yesterday so you can move forward into your future. We want you to settle your yesterdays to say, you know what, I screwed up. You know what, I gave into those lives, but today I can find healing in Christ Jesus. But here's what Galatians chapter 6 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked, but whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Sowing and reaping means what you do now, you will receive it later not karma, all right? It's not all that. It is sowing and it's reaping. So if I do something now, I'm going to reap it later. And so if I eat a lot of chocolate now, I'm going to reap it on that scale later. What happened, right? What? Whatever we sow, we begin to reap. You can't sow wild oats and not reap wild oats. We can't sow things expecting a different return. I've got to tell you, if you're a student here and you're just like, what in the world? What kind of church service have I in? I'm here to tell you, will you live all out for Jesus Christ? Will you say, you know what? This is what culture wants me to do. Swipe left, swipe right. I'm going to swipe up. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to make such a difference in my school. I'm going to make a difference in my relationships. I'm even here to tell you, it's not like, don't date, but find someone godly where you guys can do life at your church, where you can do life with your family, where you have boundaries set up in place to say, you know what, what I sow, I'm also going to reap. I want to sow a healthy uh, relationship. I want to sow a healthy marriage. I want to look and be able to do what God has for me. That, you know what, even at Avenue Church, we are seeing fruit a year later because of all that we have sowed a year ago. We have seen the fruit of our labor. Why? Because God is doing amazing things. But here's a pushback. You might be saying, no, no, pastor. I know that there are those here that say, you know what? I can do all that and ask God for forgiveness. I can get crazy and go, oh, God on my system. And then Jesus will forgive me. Got a little quiet in here, huh? I got to tell you, God will always forgive you, but there are always consequences to our actions. It's not God saying, because you did this. But let me give you an example. I thought about this today. If I came home and I was angry and I punched a hole in the wall, and I was like, ah, boom. Why? Because that felt good. I had to get the anger out of me. And so I walked up and boom, punched a hole in the wall. And then later on, I was like, man, I punched a hole in the wall. I got angry. I made a mistake. I'm not perfect. So you know what? God, will you forgive me? The Bible says, God says, yes, I will forgive you. Yes, I will wipe away your sins. Yes, there's a purpose in your life that God's going to use you for his praise and his glory. But the problem is there's still a hole in the wall. 
And so God says, here, I'm going to give you some, some spackle. I'm going to give you some, some tools and resources, and I need you to come up, and I need you to patch that hole in the wall. Why am I doing that? So we can find freedom. Why are we doing that? So we can say, you know what? That is no longer my accident. That is now my testimony. That you know what? Let me tell you about what God has done in my life. I did what felt good, but now I'm going to tell others to say, avoid that. My brother used to come home really mad, and he would punch holes in the wall. And somebody asked me, like, did you ever mimic that desire? And I said, no, because he always hit a stud. And so I was like, nope, I ain't never punching the holes in the wall. He'd be like, boom, ah, stud. I'm like, you are the dumbest person. No. God will always forgive you, but there's always consequences. But let me tell you this. God will always forgive you. Always forgive you. Always forgive you. But here's what I believe. I believe that God would rather bless you than just forgive you. I believe God would rather bless you than just forgive you. God wants to give you your best life now. He wants to use you and the purpose that he has placed on the inside of you. God wants to move you from, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God's going, I forgive you. I forgive you, but I placed purpose in you. I made you for something greater in this life. So God wants to use you to write songs. God wants to use you to serve at Avenue Church. God wants to use you to make a difference in this city, whether it's at City hall or in the classroom or in your workplace. God wants you to use you for his praise and his glory. And God says, I'll forgive you, but let me bless you. Let me bless your relationship. Let me bless your marriage. Let me bless you in Jesus' name. So what you know what tells me is that what are we allowing to sow into us? If we're allowing others to sow into us, you know what? You need to have fun. You know what? You didn't do nothing when you were dating. You know what? You didn't go to the clubs before. You know what? You didn't have fun before. What are you allowing to sow into your life? And I got to tell you, we have to get it out of our system by purging us with the Word of God, by purging us to say, you know what? I want to make a difference. If you're single here, I got to tell you, don't play the field, change the world. Don't play the field, change the world. Change the world. Let's see what God can do in your life. Daniel said, amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but we got to watch out for the Esau syndrome. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. Watch out, this message version, watch out for the Esau syndrome. If you know his story, he was hungry. And so Jacob said, uh, give me your birthright and I'll give you my food. And he said, you know what? That feels good. And so, yes, here, uh, here's my birthright. Here's my inheritance. Here's my blessing. Give me that soup because I'm hungry now. And so this is what it said. Esau traded away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a, a short-term appetite. So we gave away a lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You know well how Esau later regretted it, that impulsive act, and wanted God's blessing. By then, it was too late. Tears or no tears. I got to tell you this. Listen to me. What yells louder? But I got to tell you. Uh, what yells louder? But uh, what yells louder? But later lasts longer. I hope I said that right. Now yells louder, but later lasts longer. Instant gratification will keep you from ultimate satisfaction. Instant gratification will keep you from ultimate satisfaction. You attract what you are. Grace helps us to overcome in this area in our lives. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1, it says in the New Living Version, it says this, Well then, should we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? 
Of course not. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? How can we continue to do that? To say, you know what, I've been bought with a price. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm tired of going that way over and over again. I'm not going to swipe right. I'm not going to swipe left. I'm going to swipe up. You know what, I'm God's masterpiece. Verse 4, for we died and we were buried in Christ by baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also may live new lives. I'm here to tell you, don't you dare let your past haunt you. To say, Jesus, I give it all to you. Heal me today. That brings me to lie number three. I've already messed up, so there's no hope for me now. I've already messed up, so there's no hope for me now. Pastor, that ship has sailed. I messed up. I screwed up. You know what? That reminds me of a man in the Bible named Samson. If you know the story of Samson, he had strength in his hair. He's one of the strongest men alive. So he was, he was with a young lady, and he began to tell the source of his strength. So they seized him. They cut his hair. They cut away the source of his strength. They threw him in a dungeon. They gouged his eyes out so he couldn't see. And in that prison, where the uh, lowest form of punishment was to make them grind wheat. And the way they would grind weeds, they would get on this machine or this thing that they created back in those days, and they would just turn it around. So he's blind, he can't see anything, and he's just holding on to this wheat. And he's grinding wheat in the, in the middle of the, of the prison. And I got to tell you, that feels like us sometimes, where we're like, I am stuck in this relationship. I keep breaking it off or breaking it on. Yes, we're going to date again. Yes, we're going to go back again. It feels good. You know, or, or, you know, I'm going to delete that app. And now I'm going to put that app back on. Or I'm going to stop looking at that. And, and now I'm going to look at that again. And it's a cycle that we begin to take ourselves on. And you know what? Here's Samson. And he's like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I screwed up so bad. I might as well just keep grinding. But here's what the Bible says. In Judges chapter 16, verse 22, it says this. This is a great passage. This is what it says. As we're going through the cycle of shame, it says, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. So as his hair is growing back, his strength is coming back. As he's saying, God, I messed up. It was too deep. I just kept, I just kept going. Father, I've done too much to go back. The Bible says that his strength began to grow back, that, that his hair began to grow back. And I love that because just a little bit the hair and it began to grow back that the longer it grows the, the stronger he became what does that mean that means after his greatest failure his greatest defeat came his greatest day after his greatest defeat came his greatest day you can give God a clap for that because I'm here to tell you I see I see relationship after relationship. I see marriages. I see those that are out there and you're, you're trying to find somebody and you're dating and you're going all that. And sometimes we allow a defeat to keep us where we're at. And God is saying, man, your greatest day is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Your best days are ahead of you. You might say, what was different? You know what was different through all that was humility. For Samson, man, if I could just do it one more time, if I could just make a difference again, the humility enter into his life. If you're here today and you're willing to say, you know what, pastor, I'm so tired of 
this cycle of shame. I'm so tired of the cycle of guilt. I had no idea about the three lies. I thought those were truths. But I'm here to tell you from this day forward, I'm going to honor God. It's not going to be perfect. <laughs> it's not going to be that, you know, that, 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 that 100%, you know, I'm going to, but I'm going to do my best. But when I fall down, I'm going to get back up. When I make a mistake, I'm going to get back up. When I say, you know what, when I feel like doing what I'm going to do, I'm going to remind myself to stay down here. I'm going to humble myself so that God can do a work in my life, that I will not be shamed. In Proverbs chapter 24, it says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they'll what? They'll rise again. They'll rise again. In John chapter 8, so if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. Galatians chapter 5 said you are, no, you are now free. You are no longer bound to the yoke of slavery. You no longer have to go through that cycle of shame that God is going to bring freedom to your life. But not only will you know God find freedom, but you're going to discover your purpose and you're going to make a difference. You're going to change legacies. You're going to rewrite the name. The Bosman name is like, I mean, there's, there's, I, I can keep going. We're recording this, so I can't really say everything, right? But the Bosman name is divorce after divorce. There's abuse after abuse. But as from this day forward, the Bosman name will now be men of God, women of God. I mean, prophets and teachers and pastors. Why? Because we'll admit, though we fall, we will always rise again. That Jesus paid for our sins and we received the forgiveness. You in the Bible, there's a verse in Ezekiel. And Ezekiel's looking over. If you don't know what Ezekiel is, it's, it's the Valley of Dry Bones. So if you're a churchgoer, it's Ezekiel, the Valley of Dry Bones. If you're not, it's the Elephant Graveyard and Lion King. Same thing. And he's looking over it and he says, will these dead bones live? So God says, Ezekiel, will these dead bones live? And Ezekiel gets the best answer in the world. Only you know, God. I have no idea. Is your marriage going to survive? Only you, you know, God. Is your relationships going to work? Oh, only you know, God. And what God says is, I bring life to death things. That death things can live again. In Isaiah chapter 61, it says, I'm going to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. That God's going to restore those dead relationships. He's going to restore your life. And I'm believing for God to do some amazing things. So you stand with me, please, as I close out. Thank you for hearing me out today. Man, I hope you enjoyed it. I got to tell you, come back next week. Bring, a, uh, bring plus one, bring several more individuals as we go into week five. And then after that, my wife and I are going to be up here. Amen. So next week, we're going to ask you for any questions that you may have. You can text our number as we go through this mixtape series. But I got to tell you, God's doing a work in this series already. He's doing a work in our church. He's doing a work in our lives. You're going to go home today. You're going to be like, what was church like? Well, there's a major problem with pineapples. But you know what? I'm not pineapple chunks. I've been bought with a price. I'm valuable. That God's got another pineapple out there for me. Probably worth $8,000 or more. That's just a ring, baby. But let me pray with you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for who you are.
God, thank you for taking us on this journey. The Father, I pray for those that are here today. Give them hope. The Father, I pray if there's students in this place, the Father, I pray that you begin to embark some excitement inside of them to say, I want to change the world. The Father, I want you to change my mindset. The Father, I pray in Jesus' name that there are marriages in this room. The Father, I pray if there's healthy marriages in this room, they begin to open up their lives to others. The Father, if there's healthy marriages in this room, they begin to say, you know what, we're going to lead a group. We're going to have dinner. We're going to begin to say, you know what, you're a young couple, let me take you to lunch. The Father, I pray if there's marriages in this room and they're broken and they're hurting, that God, I pray in Jesus' name that you begin to heal them, you begin to mend them. That God, I want to tell you today in Jesus' name that you may feel like your marriage is dead, but God specializes in dead things. God loves taking dead things and breathing life into it. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we begin to hear testimony after testimony of marriages being restored, of the fire being rekindled. That God, I pray if there's individuals here and you're, they're single and they're looking for someone, that God, instead of looking for the one, help us to become the one. But God, I pray in Jesus' name that let us not grow weary in doing good. That Father, I pray, begin to use them for your praise and your glory. That Father, I pray in Jesus' name, begin to heal us from our past. That God, if there's things in our past that haunt us, if there's things in our past that we say, man, I should have never looked left or looked right. I never should have gave in to that impulse or that emotion. The Father, I'm here to tell you, heal them in Jesus' name. Heal them in Jesus' name. That if you're here today, whatever head bowed, every eye closed, and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't have that foundation. You know, God, I, I know church, but I don't really know God. Maybe here today, you said, I've never really had a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I'm ready to know God. I'm ready to find freedom. If that is you today, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to just pop a hand up and pop it down to say, you know what, will you lead me in that prayer right now? And just pop a hand up and pop it back down. If that is you today, pop it up and pop it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Let us all pray. Everyone, say this prayer out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at. Today, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. Forgive my past and forgive me that today you were raised to life. So raise me to new life in Jesus Christ. Heal my relationships, restore my marriage, and begin to do a work in my life. Today, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout it.